concepts are quite, in a sense, you can see different, you know, at least the, the presentation, because one is about self has defeated us, yeah? and the other is there is no self. Literally, that's one of the main tenets of Buddhism that was different than all the other religions when Ganama Buddha, whatever his name was, Siddhartha, was running around. He got to a state where he realized there was no self. And so the language that came after him, it was called Anatta. So his whole thing, and then Buddhism is about emptiness, which really is the em- everything is inherently empty of a separate existence, yeah? So everything is empty. In other words, there is no individual entity, no solid thing that has its own qualities. Everything is dependently originating, going on and on and on and on, on, like a verb. Verbing, 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 verbing. But the thing, the trippy thing with AA is that if you see that the root of the problem, the way it's presented in recovery is that you're obsessed with self, my view is a little different. I believe it's like you're identified as self. Not you, because see, when, you, when we say you, you are identified as self, that's the demonstration of the system called self-centeredness, yeah? There's just identification of self going on, yeah? But in self-centeredness, anytime there's a verb going on, there's a sense there must be a noun that's doing it or it's being done too. So our language is always about Knife isn't just happening, but it's happening to me. Yeah? There isn't just seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. There's I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching. Yeah? So every time the mental, the mind re- recognizes a verb, it inserts a noun in it somehow. It goes, so it, and if you can't figure out how to insert a noun in this situation, you'll say God. Yeah? God did it somehow. But somehow... The verb of living, there'll be this insertion of noun in it. Yeah? So the first insertion of noun is what I believe defeats us, and that is identification as self. So life is presenting itself. The beingness of life is conscious contact. Yeah? Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Yes, That's how we're engaged here. There's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. And there's also a form of seeing called... The mind is like an eye that sees thoughts like an eye sees a bird. Yeah? So there's a seeing and a hearing of thoughts. Much more subtle level. They're not appearing as an object, but they're appearing as a mental object. Yeah? Where the, to the eye, a bird would appear, and they, the eye would see that. That's a, a more definitive object, but a thought is just like that to the mind. So in Buddhism, they would say there's six senses, where in, in uh, Western techniques, philosophy, there's five senses. So the sixth sense is mind. So let's say there's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. That's basically the raw data of living. But the mental process, which produces this sense of being a self, and it's not just a thought, it's a sense also. It's a thought wrapped with a feeling. That's what gives it a real impact. So when there's seeing going on, like right now, there's a feeling that there's a you meaning this, seeing. It just seems to be the case, isn't it? It's not really questioned much. When there's seeing, there's a seer. So when when there's a recognition of seeing coming from here, how that's framed in my head is I'm seeing. I'm as this, I'm seeing. This is the whole delusion of it, the whole place. 
That's right there. It's there at that point where hearing is I'm hearing, seeing is I'm seeing, thinking is I'm thinking. Yeah, you're not the thinker of your thoughts. You're the witness. There's the seeing of the thoughts. If you were the thinker of the thoughts, there would be the possibility you could stop thinking. And I don't see that as one in most people's lives. They don't have that as a possibility. They have no immunity to thought, yeah? But they assume that they're the thinker of it. So therefore, once you believe you're the thinker of the thought, it opens you up to entertain being guilty or having shame or having pride. Oh, that was a great thought I had. Or, I can't share this, this was a terrible thought I had. Yeah, it's just insane. Selfing, completely going crazy. So, there's the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. That's the bare information of life, yes? And then the mental process, the idea of being a self, claims it. Yeah? So now, seeing, the verb of seeing isn't noted. It's noted as I'm seeing, I'm the seer. You would think that's a simple little thing, but it's a huge difference. Yeah? Because it's a difference of seeing life as happening or happening to you. It's that, it's that extreme, really. If you're traveling in a day and it, the day is taken to be life is happening, I bet you you travel a lot lighter in that day than a day that you think it's happening to you. Yeah? Don't you? Seriously. It's just so obvious. The weight is unbelievably different. So the weight comes from a thought becoming my thought. As soon as an object is seen, yeah, and the mind believes it's the subject, that's it. That's the delusion. That's the delusory quality of life. You've now seen this un, let's say, un, uh, just a seamless cloth, and now it's been cut. Yes? Now there's a noun inserted here and a noun there, and now verbs only seem to happen from a noun. And if you can't see that you did it or I did it, you'll say God did it. Yeah? Now, God, how could God, God be killing all these kids here? You know, how could all these diseases come? No one laid it on the kid. The disease just came. It must have been God's killing these people. It's just insane, yeah? When all there is is verbing, selfing. I mean, verbing, 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 living, 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 feeling, feeling, seeing, seeing, tasting, tasting, touching, touching, and even seeing the thoughts. So selfing's a verb. But this verb of selfing, its content is that you're a noun, yeah? It's just that simple. And you can tell when someone is, uh, when someone is sort of in, not there isn't a someone, but when that process has encased the mind, they will say, oh, I've been selfing a lot today. That's self-centeredness. Yeah? The selfing is now claimed once again by you selfing now. When all you are is a product of the verb selfing. Yeah? You're not the doer of it. There's just selfing going on. As if, there's, if it's worked its wonders, if it's worked its magic, your translation will be, I've been selfing all day. <laughs> and so what happens is, then the best solution to that is to stop selfing. You're just in the mix. Now you're the doer once again. I'm doing the selfing, now I've got to not do the selfing. That's called bondage to selfing. That's the suffering. Yeah. The suffering isn't like some tattoo that we got, you know, 20 years ago. It's a verb. When you're identified with the idea of being a self, that identification is a frame for tons of mental states to arise. And now you're having an experience of those mental states. 
Yeah? But all those mental states are defined and given meaning to by the frame of self-centeredness. And so, while there's suffering here, there isn't just suffering, there's a you that's suffering. So the you that's suffering wants to get out of the suffering. But how can it get out of the suffering if the only place it's in is here? There is no self outside. Self can't get out of self. <laughs> it's because there is no self out here. Self is appearing in here. It's an interpretation of mind. Instead of having an experience of suffering, it's having an interpretation that you're suffering. The suffering is going on, yes, but the your is the interpretation. That's what adds weight to it. So what, let's say a suffering arise, yeah, arose, and maybe it's um, time in your life would be half an hour, 40 minutes, okay? So some suffering flashes through, there's an identification, or just the body's not in good shape, and there's suffering. Yeah? Now, when it becomes you suffering, it connects to stories. Yeah? Here is like these imaginary frames called the past, yes? All in here, yeah? And so your head doesn't go vertical where the solution is, it goes horizontal. It now says, oh, I've had this feeling before, and it's terrible, and I'm going to have it. It may, be, it may continue now for years, yeah? So here's 10 minutes or 30 minutes of suffering arising, and then the mind's interpretation makes it almost like a lifetime. It gives it so much meaning that, oh, Jesus Christ, this means I'm going to be fucked in about a year still from now. Every day from this point on is going to be terrible. Please, oh, great one, give me a solution to this problem. Yeah? Okay, it gets loaded. Let's get fucked. What's the point of staying sober? If sober I is like this, fuck it, I'd rather be high. Yeah. <laughs> so this whole place, you have to see it. It's so beautiful when you see it, because when you see it, you're not it. You're not it. That's the feeling. It's a very strong feeling. It may not happen the first time, but if you keep seeing it, there's a strong sense you're not seeing from it. If you're, not, if you're seeing it, and you're not seeing from it, it must not be you. Yeah? You don't need scriptures to verify it. The mind will get it. If it sees something, there's a sense that it mustn't be me if I can see it, obviously, yeah? <laughs> if it's not me, then it loses its binding, its glue that binds you to it. Because if it's not you, you'll lose interest in it. I'm telling you. Your interest that seems to be wedded with the thoughts that you believe are yours or about you is based that they're yours and they're about you. They're not about the thoughts because another person can have the same thoughts and have immunity to them. So the thought itself doesn't have an inherent meaning. The meaning is given by you and me to the thought. How does it get that meaning? By my, M-Y. The act of being identified. So if a thought happens and I see it, it's like a bird flying by a window. If a thought happens and the self-centeredness is in place, yes, the self-centered system, when there's the seeing of it, there must be a seer of it. When there's a, when then, and then the seeing is like, so there's thinking, so there's a thinker. So the thinking makes the thinker, and the thinker makes the thinking. Yeah? You're now bound to it. 
Your attention and interest is stuck there. You have absolutely no immunity to it. Yeah? So you have to seek a solution where? In this frame, which means it's not really a solution. Because all you'll get is temporary relief, only to have more of the problem. Because self can't get out of self. Self cannot get relief from self. It can only get relief for self. Yeah? That's not relief from self. Relief from self, to me, is when you've lost interest in the idea of being a separate, long-lasting, independent entity because you've entertained it may not possibly be you. It's not an act of, I'm pulling my interest out of it. If you entertain it's not you, the interest will leave. And it will, I don't know where it will go. Hopefully it will just blossom and enrich your life. That's what I find happens. Yeah, That interest and attention that's wedded or shoved up that ass of self comes out and now can be spent in different places, different ways, yes? It's free now to either, just like it enslaves you, when it's totally identified as that, it enriches your life when it's free from that. It's the same thing. What gives you such a rich life? If you're looking up, if I, I was on this uh, vista today, yes? Now, any fish in the ocean could not see that vista, but I could see the fit, ocean, I could imagine the fish, and I could see the Farallons. Yeah? The possibilities that we have are unbelievable. Once this mind is it's binding to the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, is freed, you're going to find out some incredible things. You're going to find out that you're actually okay. <laughs> that it isn't about accruing value. That you don't start with a negative account, that you have to really work hard to get really good, whatever that means, yeah? And then it's always being threatened by your old bad habits. You're always, you know, emptying out your account on a, on a selfish run. And yet, start again, you know, be good and help others. <laughs> the freedom is that you're inherently okay. Yeah, it does... <laughs> You're really not that important. Seriously. <laughs> the AA program isn't going to go to hell with you not participating in it. You know? You can <laughs> a lot of things are going to be just the way they seem to be without you. You really don't have that much relevance. Yeah. That's the freedom. You lose interest in the idea of being Paul or Larie. And that actually allows you to be more of what I would call the real Larie. There's no real Larie. But... You'll be more of something when you're not some of that. Yeah. And you'll lose interest in self if it's not about you. I use it all the time because if, let's say, I'm interested in someone in this other room, yeah, I'm thinking she's going to save me, let's say, I'm going to be married to her and have kids, and everything's going to be great. I haven't even talked to her yet, but my mind is already painting this incredible picture how much meaning this woman has who's a complete stranger to me. She has tons of meaning in my life. She's going to save me. She's going to make it all that's been unbearable, bearable when I finally get together with her. So she's in the other room, and I'm, you know, I'm very interested to hear if she has anything to say about me to her friends. Because I'm not going to ask her out. I want to have, my, I want to have a hedge, you know, the bed on the, I want to hedge the bed. I want to make sure I don't want to get rejected. That's even, I'll play small, you know, in life just not to get rejected. So there I am. 
listening, and everyone's sitting here going, hey, Paul, you know, you're supposed to be doing this little meeting here today. I go, yeah, 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 I know, I know, and yet I can't seem to, my attention. And then someone throws a book out and says, how to stop listening to conversations in other rooms, yeah? Page through it, you know, put it down. I can't, you know, and, oh, you know what I mean? The author comes, it doesn't matter, fuck them, you know, fuck her. Yeah, I know I should be, but no. But then the girl starts talking, so I'm keenly, like Superman, X-ray, whatever, <coughs> hearing. And then I hear, and then she's talking about Matt. Now, my name is Paul. So as soon as I hear she's talking about Matt, what happens? I lose interest in the conversation. What that book was supposed to or hopefully could do was done immediately when I realized it wasn't about me. Instead of reading 800 pages about why I shouldn't be listening to this, or blah, 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 when I get that it's not about me, what happens? I lose interest immediately. I don't have to take a long workshop or anything. It just loses interest. My interest comes back to where I ever seem to be. Yeah? To, be to be what? To be spent in a different way. Yeah? Maybe to what's happening. Who knows? Maybe. But I notice when you invest in what's happening, and of course I'm saying you invest, but there's no you. There's just an investment, right? We have a self-centered language. We have a, la- a language, a subjective language used by objects. Yeah? This is an object. The brain is an object. Yes? This is an object, and this object is using a language that's subjective. In other words, I doing, I'm having, it's me, you're listening, you shouldn't be listening, all this baloney. Yeah? So here I am. Who was I? Uh, who was I just then? <laughs> I got sucked up to a pause for a second. I got to come back here. The pause is very juicy. The pause is something you can live in. Really. You know that thing we talk about in recovery? You ever hear the pause? Pause when agitated. Yeah. Your whole life would be different if you had a few extra pauses in it. Your whole history, if you wouldn't have put your foot in your mouth that time. You know what I mean? That pause, that pause becomes an ever-present availability. It's not just a gift, not just a timeless moment in linear time, but a timeless moment. Yeah? A timeless moment. Not juxtaposed with linear moments, but a timeless moment. In other words, it's always available at all times, with no requirement necessary. It's always available at all times, with no requirement necessary. The only maybe requirement is your ability to entertain that invitation. It's very difficult to entertain that invitation as a self. If you're in the system of self-centeredness, You'll have to translate everything into doing and having. You'll have to have some freaking role in it. Yeah? You believe you have to have some role in your own salvation. I must do this. I've got to know, want to know God. It's up to me. God doesn't seem to exist at all unless I want to know him or her, whatever. Yeah? This is all self. If, if that thing, if that selfing could be startled, you'd realize what you're actually looking for is what's looking. Right now. I mean, all the plans to bring all your bags are just dropped. You just put everything down. No, you don't put everything down. There's a putting down of everything. And basically, you live as if you've arrived. (laughs) That's basically what it's like. You stop living as if you're on a journey, and you live as if you've arrived. 
every moment. That's that. Yeah? Even the picking up and putting down is just a little pantomime. Yeah? These little pseudo journeys, but nothing really goes on. You're always right where you always are. Yeah. You're not located as a body. When you close your eyes, you don't stop at your cheekbone. Yeah. I'm not here. <laughs> yeah, I don't stop here and then you start there. <laughs> yeah, we very clearly delineated. You're that and then whatever this is, who knows. And then most of this makes up more of everything else. Yeah? This is there's more of this than all of this. <laughs> but we say no to this and yes to this. This is what's really going on and this, who knows? The space is the space, yeah. But space is everything. What does you think your mind, do you think your mind uh, is made in the image of the body? Or is it made in the image of, let's say, nothingness? Can you see your mind? Maybe you can take the brain out and see the brain, but can you see the mind? Can you see what animates and, and, and engages the brain? What is that? It's no thing, Yes. It doesn't have any quality like skin texture or eye color, yeah, or thickness or weight. It's really no thing. Yeah? Or you could say it's pure subjectivity. In other words, it's never been an object to be known. It's unknowable because there's no object to it, yes? It's just seen. It's all it is. Yeah? The best it can do to know itself is to appear as others, yeah? So let's say maybe that's the dance we're in, yeah? So no-thingness appears to be thingness, and that's the closest it can ever get to see itself. Yeah? But in fact, all there is is seeing. Yeah? Seeing, seeing, seeing. I don't mean seeing just visually, I'm saying seeing. Awareness, yeah? All there is is that. And then all these other verbs that display themselves in this format, which is hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, but it's still all awareness. All that is a seamless verb. It's all that's happening. There's no seer. There's all there is is seeing. Yeah? There's no dreamer. There's, and there's all there is is dreaming. The dreaming here takes the, takes the, the look of, of a dreamer and a dream, but that's all it is is dreaming. Yes? Dreaming, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. There is no place where there's any stop. The mental process has created or made conceptual stops by giving all this name and form. Putting a noun in there. So now the seeing is never felt as just seeing, it's you seeing that. The hearing isn't really sensed as hearing, which is always enveloped in silence, yeah? When there's a hearing, it's enveloped in, in its real, it's like, a, it's like a picture, there's a positive, negative of the picture. The sound is like what we would call the positive, but it comes from the negative, which is absence of sound, which is silence, yeah? So you get the sense of both, yeah, yeah, yeah. with the hearing, with the feeling, the tasting, the touching. There is no noun that's the seer or the hearer. That's the mental process of selfing. You didn't have it when you were a young baby. They've proven that. That a young baby has no, has no sense of other for about a year and a half. So all there is is seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. 
the, the selfing hasn't developed to the point where your attention and interest has been sort of hijacked by it, yeah? The sweetness of that, the, that presentation, that finally, a noun finally appears in the mental conceptual realm, and then the interest and attention gets wedded to that noun, and so now the rest of your life is seen from a point of view of self-centeredness. And you know what it's like. Whatever happens, you see how, the only way you can see it is how it pertains to you is this. It's very difficult to see how it pertains to others. But the only way you can see how it pertains to others is as of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here, we're in this room. I'm seeing. Yeah. Seeing, right? If you wanted to get past seeing, you would say, I'm seeing. I. So let's say I represents subjectivity. Yeah. So everyone, if they describe the experience right now of seeing, we'd all be correct. We'd all say, I'm seeing. He's saying, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, yes? Now, in the experience, it's I'm seeing you. Yeah? A you. So, to you, I'm a you. And to me, you're a you. Yeah? So, if I ask myself, who is it that's seeing? Sounds like a simple question, yes? They're seeing, and the assumption is I'm seeing. Well, I'm going to ask, well, who is that I that's seeing? I'd like to get to know it. What would your head say? It's me, yeah? Wouldn't it? The first, usually his first response would be me. Now, what's a me? Isn't a me just a you? Yeah. I'm a you to him, right? So a me is just a you identified. See? I'm identified with this you, I call it me, and this is the claiming of the I. Then I forget that the same I is looking out of every, because I think there's all different yous. But there's only one you called me. <laughs> this is how subjectivity, right, becomes subjective. It's tricky, eh? Subjectivity, which is I and I alone, becomes subjective, which means a you takes on the role of being the I. Yeah? So an object takes on the role of being the subject. But the only way it's come to this conclusion is by seeing an object and becoming identified with an object and taking the object as the subject. Yeah? Then the whole, all, all the shenanigans take off from that. All the mental selfing just, just geometrically progresses from there. The solution isn't way down the pike. You just get caught up in consequences. Either or, yes or no, seeking, non-seeking, meditate, don't meditate, all these yeses or nos, which will create effects, or you'll be connected and disconnected. It just goes on and on and on and on. The solution is back, not forward. Because if you seek, and you are what you're seeking for, and that never dawns on you, all the seeking, yes, will be used to, to reinforce the identification as what? The seeker. The seeker, yeah? The verb of seeking will not be seen as just seeking. It will see, it'll be seen as implying a seeker. That's the bondage to self. That's how it does it. Yeah? You get bonded. It doesn't matter if it's pure gold seeking. It doesn't matter if it's down on the dog shit level seeking. The same production will occur. There'll be a seeker that will arise out of that interpretation. 
That's what the bondage to self is. It's not like I don't want to be bonded to a bad self, but I want to be bonded to a good self. No, please relieve me of the bondage to self. That's it. Yeah? The act of a verb being claimed by an object and having that make life a subjective experience that an object cannot possibly have. How can an object have a subjective experience? Subjectivity is having the experience. We're having a bastardized version or an interpretation from an object about what it thinks subjectivity would be like if I'm the one who's the subject. That's what's happening. So the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, which is subjectivity, is now become subjective in the mental process. So the object puts on the mantle of being the subject, and everything else now becomes an object to it. And so if you start, if you look at life this way, enlightenment has to become an object to you as the subject. So enlightenment becomes like everything else, like this plant, something that you're going to get, something that you're going to attain, something that you'll be able to put on your mantelpiece, something that you'll like harness and corral, and I'm enlightened. (laughs) I am enlightened. I caught the object of enlightenment. I've got peace. I've got love. No! How could that possibly be? How could subjectivity become an object to you as the subject? That's why St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're looking for. What's looking has been, is the interpretation of subjectivity. Yeah? The you that's looking for is the acting out of the interpretation of subjectivity. What's looking is the subjectivity. What's looking is what you are looking for. It's so beautifully clean. What's looking is what you, 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 you are looking for. The subjectivity is, it cannot not be what it is, which is subjective. It's just awareness, yeah? It can never not be that. So at any moment that you're on means there's an awareness that's allowing that onness, then what you're looking for is always available at all times without any requirement necessary to meet it because you are it. How could you not be? The only way you could not be is by thinking an object is the subject. Then subjectivity gets lost. It's hidden right in clear view. That's why they say it's an open secret. That's why they say it's a gateless gate. It's so freaking obvious that we miss it. What's looking looking for? There is no problem with that. There's no debate. There's no Christian, Muslim, this should be the way. No. The only thing that causes it to get really weird is the you inserted. What's looking and then is what you are looking for. You're not going to tell me what I'm looking for. (laughs) I'm the looker. I'm going to look this way. Fuck that. I don't want to look at the God you want to look at. I don't agree with that. I'm looking this way. All these forms of looking are a way of being blind to the natural seeing. Didn't you have it when you were a kid? You didn't have it, but weren't you engaged in it? At least some point, maybe you were in an abusive situation. Maybe you were in a war-torn place. I don't know. I was in a typical lower middle class family in Long Island. There's a lot of time and space to be available when I was a kid. 
Yeah? The, the narrator hadn't set up yet. I didn't have a strong concept of time. So when I was, when I was playing, I didn't have the mental, mental option to be worried, will I be playing next week? Because I had no idea of next week. I really didn't walk around my house and going, my room's too small, you know, I want them. My mother's very ugly. She should get a better clothing. I'm embarrassed by my mother. I, where's my gap clothes? I need sunglasses. It's sunny out there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I was basically really had nothing going on because I was totally available. I'd be playing with ants, and it, there was no difference between me and the ants. Yeah? It was just hours of just sitting there looking at a crack, watching the black ants and the red ants fight over a sugar cube for like three straight days. Just sitting there all day. And there was no, I wasn't thinking of meditation. I'm going to have to go to a class soon. I know, I've got to get a spiritual program soon. No! There was spirit. It was so freaking obvious you took it for granted in a naturally loving way. Yeah? You just, it, it didn't seem like it was produced or coerced. It was just the way things are. Well, why not? What happened? You want to get, uh, there's two chairs there. Oh, there's two here, right? It's quarter to four. The meeting started at a quarter to four. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> this isn't like we're leaving to a far-off land. It's just the way it is at all times, yeah? The mind just doesn't see it that way. So the mind, cast into the first blindness, has been looking the rest of its time here. Looking, looking, getting new ways of looking, turbocharged ways of looking, more ways of looking. But they're all really, they, they just continue on the blindness. The blindness of subject and object. Yeah? The bifocal of seeing you as an object from the assumed subject. When all there is is subjectivity. Demonstrating every moment. How are you? How are you? Good. Good. Hey. What time does the meeting start? Seven? Five. I'm sort of... Hmm? You're early, actually. You already got the message. Haven't you ever noticed there's sometimes answers in the future that apply to the past? Haven't you ever noticed that? You know that something happens in the future, and then you realize why you learned something in the past. So that you'd be ready for that future. There's no time. It's a construct, isn't it? When you're having a good day, doesn't time speed by? When you're having a bad day, doesn't it suck? It seems like it goes on forever. It's a subjective experience, isn't it? Don't you and I give everything all the meaning it has? Every day? And if, let's say, you're in a system of mind and it gives meaning to things, what would be the biggest meaning it, it could give every, anything? What would be the biggest meaning it could give anything? Bigger than God. The meaning that it's you. It's given this the meaning that it's you. This pure, poor object is taken to be the subject. It's way too much. It's like putting a ton 
of stuff in like a quarter ton pickup. It just can't carry the weight. The mind goes crazy. Yeah? It's ability to reflect infinity, to reflect your obsession over your hemline for four hours, it just creates incredible neuroses and perversion up there. Is it? It's like when you were a kid and you had a you wanted to see the back of a bug and you'd get a magnifying glass and you'd be looking at it, but you didn't know the shoulder I mean the sun was right over your shoulder. So while you were trying to study this thing, you were killing the bug, you know? You didn't know that's sort of what it's like when the the head in self centeredness and all of the interest and attention is wedded to that idea of being you, it's way too much. The mind can't handle it. It's like having a marathon runner in your cellar doing laps all day. I mean, look at it. Does, don't you believe the mind can entertain? Yeah, let's say it can entertain. So let's say it's entertained that it's a body. Okay? Let's say mind, which has an ability to entertain possibilities. So, when awareness, whatever occurred, and the body was conscious, and then the mental process rose, and then it said, it answered what that consciousness was, I am. And when it asked itself, who is this I am? It's me, being the body. So now, the whole consciousness has been claimed as this, yes? So let's say, that ability to entertain now, is now captured by a system called self-centeredness. So every time you entertain anything, you entertain it as a self. Which does what? It limits what you can entertain. If self believes in time, yeah, the only thing you can do to entertain being okay is later. It's very hard for the mind to entertain it's okay now. It always entertains that it will be okay later, be it a minute or an hour or a week or three weeks. And usually, your okayness will be based on what you do or don't do or what someone else does or doesn't do. Yeah? There can't be a sense of okayness because it seems like it can only happen in time to you. <laughs> so, here's this ability to entertain, which is incredible. You can entertain peace. You can be the entertainment of peace right at this very moment. You can be the entertainment of a sense of okayness right at this very moment, yes? Instead, maybe you're sitting there entertaining who isn't here tonight. And what? And your whole night's ruined because you really wanted to meet that person here. And maybe they're somewhere else in the city. So let me think, where would they possibly be? Can I make a phone call? Do I, do I get reception here? Can I slip out? Da, da, da. And you'll just go off entertaining what, usually? What's not happening? Yeah? Entertaining what's not happening. And what, you know, we say this all the time, what, the quality of what's not happening is anything can happen in there. Right? You can have cancer next week. You can be totally destitute. You could be very well off right now, but next week you could be destitute. That's a possibility. And your mind can entertain that possibility. Ad nauseum. <laughs> that you're going to be destitute. And it's going to actually present false evidence, and that false evidence is going to appear real to you. And when it appears real to you, it's going to create a, or make a reaction in your body. And if you're identified as your body, you're going to feel it's like it's you. I feel really, like, contracted. <laughs> no, it's not you. You're not contracted. But if you're identified as this, this is going to get contracted if your mind's entertaining you have cancer next week. So what usually in the case, 
when you're identified as self, you live in a realm of there. Even this here is a there. Because this is just a conceptual idea of now. Yeah? You live in there. If you have no sense of here, you have no immunity to there. Basically, your whole life will be living as a reaction to what's not happening. Now, there's, thank God, there is something that is going on called what's happening. And it has one quality what's not happening doesn't have, which is it's happening. You may not like that. You may have opinions about what's happening, but you can't deny the fact that it's happening. Just like you'll have a feeling and say, oh, I don't want to feel that feeling, but you've actually felt the feeling already. Yeah? Before you have the opinion, I didn't want to feel that, you already felt it. (laughs) So here's what's not happening, and here's what's happening. Yeah? Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. What's not happening is to you. The you as this is the star. When you, in your head, think about you, how are you pictured by your head? As a body, right? So if you go back and think about yourself a month ago, how, how does your mind view you? It views you as a body. Does it? You think about your past as you being there, right? And you're concerned about the future picturing you as a body. So the system of thought that we're basically getting most of our uh, advice from, and it's become our navigator, casts you as a body. That's the most it can do with you. Maybe it says you're a spiritual something, but you're in a body, whatever. But a body's going to be in there somewhere, yes? In there. So now, in what's not happening, you're the big star. It's not cancer you're worried about next week. It's you having cancer. Yeah? It's not, you don't have regrets about the past. You have regrets about your past, pretty much. It's you. You as a body. So you are the big star of what's happening. But in what's happening, you are totally, actually irrelevant. Because what you truly are is demonstrating itself right now. Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. What's seeing or what's looking is what I am. Not the you that thinks it's looking for it, but what's looking. So what I am is demonstrating itself, itself as a verb right now. This is the solution. This is the immunity to what's not happening. Because in what's not happening, you're not hearing that. There is no airport you can land called in what's not happening. You can't get a five-star hotel in what's not happening. You can't book a trip in what's not happening. It, there's no place called what's not happening. You can't go back to a hotel in the past. I like to go to the Holiday Inn, 1995. Is there a room under Hedeman? I missed my first prom. I want to go back to it and see if I can do better. Maybe Deb will dance with me this time, whatever. No, there's no, it's not happening, yes? All I can do is think about it. That's what conjures it up, yes? A pure mental realm. And you exist in that mental realm as a mental idea, an idea of being a body. This is the biggest meaning that your system of thought can give. It's given it to you as a body. That's what you are, yes? Now, of course, the body wants to get relief, so maybe it starts practicing spirituality. But don't you see the pointlessness of it, in a sense? How could a body become spiritual? How could an object become subject? How could an object transform out of objectiveness into pure subjectivity? How could it?
is, is to see, yes, that this is an object, but then what's seeing that is subjectivity, yes? You'll never know the truth because it would have to be something other than you to know it. The truth is pure subjectivity. It doesn't have an object. It can't be known, it can't be felt, it can't be tasted. It can be intimated here, but you can't see it, feel it, taste it, or touch it. Just like the eye can't see itself, even though it's looking all day, it can never look at itself, can it? Subjectivity cannot see itself. All there is, so when I recognize I'm not this, that's the act of being what I am, which is the seeing of that, yeah? When the what's looking is being disguised in the verb of you looking for, when the verb is seen as a verb, you looking for, with no noun in it, that's what's looking. Yeah? When the you that's looking for is seen as a verb, there is no you, that's what's looking. Yeah? As soon as you see what you're not, that's what you are. There's nothing more or less to do. You see what you're not, and that's it. You can't say, oh, that's what I am. You can't. Because there's no there to point to. There's no object. It doesn't have any qualities. So all it is, the only way you can recognize it is by its movement, its verbing. So you see it seeing. So seeing what I'm not is what I am. The seeing of what I'm not is what I am. The seeing of what I'm not is what I am. Produces a pause, yeah? Doesn't produce a pause, it just makes something that's always so, like, available. You just, your attention finally picks up something that wasn't picking up, yeah? If you're identified as a thing, what are you going to be more prone to see? Things. It's like when I saw that guy, my Uncle Fred, dead. You know, I was young and nine years old, and I liked him, and, you know, he used to come to relatives' parties, and, you know, seemed like a nice person. I had a nice feeling about him, and then he passed away, and my mother brought me to the funeral, and they had an open casket, and when I walked by that casket, I had a free sample that day, and I looked at Uncle Fred, and I had a big hit. That ain't Uncle Fred. There was the body that I'd been calling Uncle Fred, as, as long as I knew him. But without it animated, it was obvious that that wasn't Uncle Fred. And in a sense, it had never been Uncle Fred. It wasn't like, oh, it was Uncle Fred, and now it isn't. No, the hit was it was never Uncle Fred. Yeah. And the reason why I saw Uncle Fred as a body, because I was seen from being a body. Yes. So when you're identified as a thing, your attention and interest goes to things. Yes? When there's a break of that, your interest and attention, when it touches, it's like, in a way, I don't know if this is a good way to describe it, but here. Yeah, this is what happens. My attention goes and sees you. It's not my attention. Let's say seeing. Seeing hits you as an object. Yes? What happens? It bounces off of you comes back to this object, is claimed as, I'm the subject, yeah? And this attention, every time I meet an object, let's say I meet thousands of objects, 
they always come back to the one pseudo-subject, me. Yeah? So I get in my whole, my awareness, my attention, my interest, my mind is in this self-centered loop. Yeah? Everything that's met comes back as me as the meter. Yeah? So here's the attention going out. You know, are you practicing throwing your attention out or seeing? No. You know, I'm like, oh, this is hard. That sign's 20 yards away. It was much easier to see this. It's only a foot. I can't really, I'm seeing it, you know? No, this seeing, obviously. You just look and there's seeing. There's no efforting. Oh, that was harder to see than this, you know? <laughs> so it's just flooding out. Yes? Seeing, hearing, feeling this. So here's all this energy. And then it meets something and it comes back. Yeah. So let's say it hits this. So in this system, this is who I am. So no matter what I'm trying to do to get a relief from all this interest and attention, at night when I go home, the whole day is represented again, based as to me, and I'm sitting there looking at it from all the ways I can entertain from self-centeredness. What did that mean, her saying hello to me? Could I just, you know, going over and over ad nauseum things, and you want to go to sleep, but you can't seem to turn your interest and attention off, yeah? Because it's just just locked into this loop of self-centeredness. So now you're just hitting mental objects, and so the loop is even faster. <laughs> it's driving you crazy, yeah? What would happen if you entertained this, which is like, this is like a mirror, yeah? Or your attention, your mind is reflecting whatever appears, yeah? Now, it seems to be a one-sided mirror, and you're the, uh, you're the opaque side, Paul. This is who I am. So all my attention is just going out here. And if you think your attention is going up here, up here, this is out. Mind-seeing thoughts is going out, yes? It's not like you're going in. It's the same thing. It's all going out, attention. And then the attention goes back, but usually goes back to where? Up here to an idea, a thought. Paul, long-lasting, independent, separate entity. So this whole loop is just self-centeredness. Thing to 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 thing. What would happen if you entertain I'm not this? Just possibly the opaqueness of the mirror is the idea of being a you. If that's not true, your attention will go right through what you call you, the one who's attentive, because there is not a you that's attentive. I'm telling you, it's just attention. It would go through that, and then this small loop of self-centeredness would just go on infinitely. It would break. Yes? This would go to thing. <coughs> totally in the no thing. Thing. No thing. Thing. No thing. And a beautiful balance. Yeah? Your attention would be spent on what needed to be spent at that time, yet would rest in the infinity of its own nature. Instead of being totally exhausted by attending things all day, yes? Until you've got deep sleep at night when you stop being a thing and there's some freedom again. You get charged up and then you're back at it again all day. <laughs> Question is that if, if you're not that, this is a two-sided mirror. Your mind can reflect both infinity no thing and thing. Just like it's reflecting thing, it can reflect no thing. It's sort of like what Zen says, you'll see your original face, which obviously isn't a face at all. You'll be seeing your original face when you look into what you would call nothing. That's the seeing of your original face. 
Not you seeing the original face. That's the seeing of the original face. That's how the original face sees. Yeah? Now what does it mean? For me, I found out you'll travel lighter. Simple as that. If you want to be pragmatic here, the less you're obsessed with you, the more that you're absent in your life, the more presence there'll be in it. The more that you're absent, the more presence there'll be in it. It's actually, the presence here is truly your absence. You can't make it a thing. It's actually the absence of a thing. That's the presence, seriously. We're trying to make presence a thing for this thing to have. I want to have an experience of presence. But really, presence is the absence of thing. Yeah? The absence of object. The absence of concept. The absence. Yeah? That's the presence. And instead of wanting to have an experience of it, could you imagine entertaining you are it? Then it will infuse that view into all your experiences here. Instead of making an experience you have out of millions of them, it will influence all the millions of experiences that will happen here. Yeah. So you'll travel lighter. Consistently, you'll outshine circumstances and situations. You'll see life is happening, not to you. Anger arises, hallelujah. It makes a mess, show up and clean it up. It has nothing to do with you. Nothing that appears here ever, ever truthfully implies a you. It's just a mental apparition. Yes? The verb is like you see a helicopter when the, wait, the propeller is going really fast. It looks like one solid thing. Have you ever seen this? Like an optical illusion? That's what a self is like. Your mind is selfing, and it creates an optical illusion that there's a you. Yeah? And the body takes that role. So physical sensations are the way you base your life on. That's the verification. This is me, physical sensations. When you are the awareness of those physical sensations, yeah? Not the physical sensations, they come and go, yeah? The mental thoughts come and go, but the awareness is always there. Has a thought ever surprised the awareness? Has a thought ever <laughs> slipped by and not be seen? <laughs> the awareness ever take a vacation? Does it blink? I don't know. It seems like it's incessantly on, if you want to call it that. <laughs> no matter you go on an incredible train of thought, when you get off, where, where are you? Right where you were, right? With all your shenanigans, where do you end up? Right where you are. Yeah. If you have a, a future goal, when you, and you, <laughs> you leave here now, when, do you get, when you get to that point in the future, what is it? Now. Yeah? And every stop along the way is now. <laughs> There's this one thing you can't escape from. This. <laughs> so we make up whole stories about it. This is going to be a better this then. Or it was a really bad this then back then. Yeah, we just but we just we cut it up in eight thousand pieces, but it doesn't change a thing, does it? Yeah? 
we just put nouns everywhere in the seamlessness of being, being, verbing, yes? We put nouns, the divine being, yes? The undivine being. It's so fucking crazy. Do you have to do anything about it? Absolutely nothing. You have nothing to do with it. You're just the seeing of it, yeah? Still quarter to four. It's a very long meeting. <laughs> it started at a quarter to four and it's a quarter to four. And it'll end at a quarter to four. We'll have to change the schedule. All meetings are at a quarter to four now at St. John's. <laughs> Don't get here late. <laughs> When's the quarter to four? Then he got seven thirty. I thought you said a quarter to four. No, it's a quarter to four. What time is it? 7.30. It's a quarter. <laughs> Any questions today? No? You know, the words don't mean much at all. It's the energy, yes? Hopefully you sense something. There's an energy in when this is sort of brought out into the open in this little place of charades. That sometimes it provokes a sense that makes it more obvious to feel it, yeah? Get intimated. Yes? Well, uh, when you speak of no thing, um, you don't mean like some super vacuum where there's nothing, but like a, a field of all possibilities where everything is in its potentiality, but not, not manifest, not objectified, right? I mean no thing. I'll let you do all the rest. <laughs> it's easier for me to relate to it. This is just an invitation. You're the one who writes the whole uh, party out. No. I just invite, that's all. I'm just like a mailman. I don't want you to go home with me. I just deliver the, the message. It's like a spiritual subpoena. You read into it what you will. You may be convicted. It may be a felony to you. It may be a misdemeanor. It's up to you. I don't know. I don't have any say in the matter. A subpoena, whatever it means to you, is that's what it is. It's beautiful, isn't it? Hey, Paul. Yeah. When you're in deep sleep or in a blackout. Well, you aren't. But you're talking about something that has nothing to do with you. <laughs> really. You've never been in deep sleep. Uh, okay. <laughs> you haven't. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not a joke. No. <laughs> You haven't been in deep sleep. You're not even here to talk about being in deep sleep as you. This is it. Have you ever felt yourself in deep sleep? Probably not. No? Have you? No. That's like the unknown territory, right? When you go to sleep, deep sleep. Because there's no, the mental process is off. The selfing isn't going on. Yeah? It's shut down. That's true rest, isn't it? Without that, we'd be super exhausted here. Really, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't matter if you did a terrible act that day. You probably still have the opportunity for deep sleep. If you can get to sleep, you'll probably go to deep sleep. And if, even if you did saintly acts that day, you'll go to deep sleep. Deep sleep doesn't have any opinion eh? on what we do or don't do. Does it? Imagine not. Isn't that the the only way you allow yourself to be loved is to know that 
to realize it has no qualities like you think you have. Yeah? If you have a God that you want to be loved by, but the, it has the qualities that you think you have, you'll never be loved by that God. Because you won't just feel like you deserve it. Do you? Have you ever, when you were running out there going crazy, what scared you the most? For me, living on the edge wasn't shooting dope and getting shot at. It was having to sit in a room and be unconditionally loved for five or ten minutes. That was unbearable. Because my head would bring up every fucking reason why I'm not to be loved. Can you imagine living on the, under that interpretation the rest of your life here? The interpretation that you don't deserve to be loved? And I mean deep conviction about that? What a fucking joke. Yeah. Just look at your head. When you're having a good time, how long does it let it last before it starts worrying? You know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and you start being scared. So they're going to find out. I shouldn't be at this party. Whatever. He's getting but the same head, if you're having a bad day, thinks it's going to last forever. Yeah. Would you like that to be, be the interpretive navigator of your life? Shortening everything that you live on. You live in hope to get there, and when you get there, it just shortens it. Yeah. You know, you, years and years you'll be hoping, wondering, waiting, that person's going to save me. Then you meet the one, and it's totally destroyed in about two weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? So here's your mind. It elongates, quote-unquote, the bad, and shortens the good. Every day, elongating bad, shortening good. Jesus Christ. Day after day in time. You think that's going to change its stripes? One of the biggest blowouts for me is when I looked at all my relationships, you know, with women. And none of them seemingly hadn't worked out. They worked out just as they did, but... To me, they didn't work out. And it finally came to me, the one constant in all those relationships was me. <laughs> it wasn't like I, there were 20 different women, but there was one me in them all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jesus, did I have something to do with this? <laughs> There's no self can't get out of self. There's no freaking way. You know, it can increase the 